The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Welcome to the season premiere of Veritas, season 11. Tonight, we give you techniques and tools to build on your spiritual warfare armor. Is the Empire on its last days? We'll discuss confidence tricks, truth and authority, relativism and pluralism, spiritual integrity, and more. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. Join me on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to begin season 11 with us, and this is turning to a tradition now, almost like bringing a shaman, a spiritual warrior, tonight's special guest is none other than Neil Kramer an English writer, philosopher, author, and teacher, specializing in the fields of consciousness, metaphysics, and mysticism. Neil is renowned for his unique blend of lucidity, empowerment, and authenticity. And directly from the Pacific Northwest, I'm delighted to welcome Neil Kramer back to Veritas. Hello, Neil, and welcome back. Hello, Mel. It's a pleasure to be here. I am very well indeed. And how about yourself? I am doing fantastic. Always a pleasure to have you back. And as I was mentioning before we began, just to let the audience know, because of course you're from Europe. I just came back from Europe. I had a, a great visit to Italy, Switzerland. And then as we were moving into France at the border, we bumped into what's called a yellow jackets. And of course, we were a little bit concerned. Are they going to block us? But we had a chance to speak with some of them. And I realized there's a lot of misconception out here. It's not only about the price of diesel. It's all the socialist ideas that the President Macron is bringing to France. Can we address this at the beginning? Absolutely. It's central to what's happening in our world today. And by the way, thank you for joining us in this new season, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. No, it's a, it's a great honor to come on the show, and it's a nice milestone to be here at this time after, uh, you know, many years of great work. I know you've you've put a little compilation together of everybody's congratulations uh, along those lines, so certainly let me add my congratulations to that, and uh, it's a pleasure to contribute. Thank you. Thank you. So what's your take on what's happening in France? Not only in France, it's happening in the UK, it's happening in Belgium. And the media seems to be blocking a lot of those. <laughs> it sure does. It's not good for it's not good for empire, as I call it. We'll come to that in a minute. Europe is uh, has been pushed to the brink of destruction. Uh, empire is currently genociding Europe through mass immigration. Forget who they are, where they're from, what colour they are, what god they worship. Just bodies, numbers of bodies. Culture is being destroyed in England. It has it has been under that campaign of destruction for a hundred years, in my view at least. And France and Germany and Spain and Portugal and Greece, Switzerland, Belgium, goodness knows where, Sweden, it, for, for sure Sweden, Sweden and England are probably taking the brunt of it, are having a terrible time. And all the centuries, millennia of history 
that those countries have celebrated and all the awesome art and literature and science and engineering and excellence that many of those countries have brought to bear in their culture and in the heritage and lineage of their people is being totally and utterly decimated by empire. And it gets to a point, of course, where the normal everyday people who have lived in those places for centuries, not so much the newcomers because they're, of course, economic migrants looking for a different way of life, a better way of life. Some of them completely good, some of them completely scumbags and everything in between. It's most the people who have heritage there who have the most to love and the most to lose. And those people, frankly, are fighting back. It's nothing to do with gasoline, petrol, diesel. It's nothing to do with that. The displeasure of the people is sown across all demographics, from little old ladies to angry young 16-year-old men. Everybody has had enough of this imperial placeman, Emmanuel Macron, who, of course, has zero interest in the well-being of France, absolutely zero. And I think every clear-thinking man and woman who listens to him, who looks at him, who examines his background, who looks at who's funding him, will, will realize that and will come to say, that's it, we've had enough. And it, will, it spreads very, very quickly across everywhere. Uh, the only place that that isn't happening is the United States because we've already spoken and we threw out the people who don't care about America and have put some other people in who care a hell of a lot more, which we'll come to that later. I wonder if the French regret not having elected Le Pen. Well, the, the storyline is that she's a fascist, Trump's a fascist, and you know, you get, you're going to have a disaster if those people get in. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Nationalism is simply loving one's own country and putting special emphasis on the place where we are and where we choose to invest our hard work, our creativity, our emotions, our love, our history. And as a, an American citizen now, I love my country. I love it above other countries. I am a nationalist. I am a patriot, effortlessly, naturally a patriot. That nationalism is never reflected uh, in leadership until recent times. So nationalism can be exploited, of course, and made extreme and radicalized and turned against the people. But when it is understood in a cool, lucid, clear fashion, exceptionalism, that is the idea that what you have here is exceptional, it is better than other places, is a completely natural philosophy to me. And it's obviously true, having traveled all over the world to ma most major cities that people have heard of, I can tell you that living in America is uh, better than anywhere else simply because of its freedom. I am freer here to express myself, to go about my business, to travel as I may, to defend my life, my family's lives and my home as, as I see fit. That is not possible anywhere else in the world, technically legally at this time the only place you can do that as put down into law is the united states of america now that that's a sad indictment of current world politics it's in flux it is changing 
But the secret story is, the story behind the headlines that you'll never see in the mainstream press, the United States of America is the crucible for world change. There is something here that does never, never appears in the mainstream news. You'll never see it on CNN or BBC that is changing the world. And it's everywhere. People are inherently good, especially people who make a commitment to invest in their own soil. As I invested for 35 years in England, and now I hope and choose to invest for the rest of my life in this country. That's my investment. I'm committed. I am an asset to this country. And when somebody places themselves in that role, you've got a good human being. You've got an asset to your community, to your family, to your church, to your business, to your whatever. And I think that is being understood now that those who don't invest are not welcome. Because if you don't invest, then you're there just for your own selfish purposes. And we'll come to that immigration perhaps in a little bit more detail later. But I, th I think it's clear for any lucid observer of this that um, empire uses immigration to kill culture, to kill history, to kill nationhood. And the mass movement of human bodies destabilizes infrastructure and causes terrible economical and cultural chaos by design, by design. So I've said to you before, and I've said to people every time they talk about it, they say, well, what would you do about this, Neil? It's all very well pontificating in that manner, making these sweeping statements. What would you do? I would do two very, very simple things. Firstly, I would make some statements. One, the priority of the system is to protect its citizens. Two, protect the country's proven cultural and constitutional principles. That, that must be enshrined into what we do. Then I would act. I would immediately cease all immigration and asylum until there has been a deeply comprehensive reform of America's entire immigration system, designed and implemented, that is. No new people for five years. And people who complain about that can thank the massive illegal immigration that has been artificially stimulated by empire, by this, these internationalists. And thirdly, I would arrest every mayor, every governor, and every state representative who voted to break federal law by establishing sanctuary cities. That's a disgrace. It's disgusting. And it's treachery. And I think if you do that, you then show how much people love their homeland and country. And when it's in a good state, how openly they welcome economic, cultural migrants from anywhere in the world, any nation, any skin, any race, any aspirations, any spirit. Of course, human beings are like that. We're all like that. There's no problem there. What you can't do is bringing millions of bodies who have no idea where they're going or why they're doing it. You can't do that. So it's very simple, but such is the socialist principles and the request for us not to use offensive language that many people are afraid to say what I've just said. It's, it's very, very simple when you put it plainly like that. And if anyone's ever met me, they'll know that I am completely the least racist, least xenophobic, least sexist person you've ever met. I believe in human beings. I believe in the dignity of the human spirit. 
I believe in inherent goodness. I do. But I will not sit back and watch what happens, uh, what's happened already to Europe happen to the United States. I won't let that happen as long as I've got breath in my body. I know a number of people like you. I have friends here in my town, especially this couple. Um, he's a doctor from, he immigrated from Poland and he had to wait in line And sometimes they invite us to Fourth of July celebrations at their home, and they are now more patriotic yeah. than many Americans that I know. Of course, how wonderful and what a, a decent human being he is to, like myself, presumably to honor his his own journey, but also to thank his new homeland, to thank the opportunity that lies before him now. I mean, that's seems to me the only decent thing to do, and yet. It, It's it looks to be quite rare on uh, if you would be reading the Washington Post or the New York Times. But at the same time, then you have other types of migrants who come here, escaping persecution, oppression, religious extremism, you name it. But then after a few years or even months, sometimes they demand to change our laws so that we become the country they left behind. This is one of the most puzzling things or aspects about the, migra the immigration crisis that I see. Yeah, well, you know, we're not here to help everybody. We're not, that's not why we're here. We're here, first of all, to make ourselves strong and true and to fulfill our own destiny and potential. When you're in good shape, and remember, America's only really been here for 250 years, so it's, it's kind of new. When you're in good shape, then you might start saying, hey, you know what? We've got a lot of space here. We've got a lot of resources. I think we can help good, honest people who are seeking asylum from terrible situations in awful countries. I think we may be able to extend the generosity of spirit that we have founded in ourselves here and open that to you guys. Uh, that's not what's happening in California and Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening in England. That's not what's happening in France. What's happening there is the people who have been in control of the world since, let's take modern history to put this into a reasonable time frame. I would say since about 1963, the people who've been running the show since then know that immigration topples nations And you end up not having a history, not having a culture, not having anything. So it's by design. Now, if you go to most of Africa, most of Central America, most of South America, most of Asia, most of Europe, and say, hey, where would you like to go in the world if you could pick anywhere? Where would you like to take yourself and perhaps your family and have great opportunity and the, the promise of access to great wealth great providence in your life what one place would you go to everybody everybody would say the united states of america because of its abundance and because of its freedoms everybody would go there if we let that happen the entire planet would live in the continent of north america <laughs> so you can't do that because it would destroy the entire human race you can't let everybody in it kills everyone when you do that So somebody somewhere has to take the broad, long view of this and say, we have to get ourselves in shape first. We have to remove the vermin in government 
and in the institutions who are poisoning people's minds and hearts. And once we get ourselves in good shape, which will be some decades at the very earliest, then we'll take a look at those questions and we'll take a look at how we can help the rest of the world. But like they say in an airplane, put on your own oxygen mask before you help anyone else put theirs on or everyone's dead. You know, I'm thinking of right now. I don't know if you know this. You probably do. They are banning the song It's Cold Outside. It's a Christmas yeah, song. <laughs> but then you hear 99% of the hip-hop songs. Well, actually, I'm exaggerating here. But you hear rap songs that demonize uh, in the streets women. It, it speaks negatively about it's society. Scum, scumbags. Yes, But this song that has been around for a very long time, it's a, it's a fiction, two fictional characters. What's happening with our history? Same thing with Little House on the Prairie. They want oh. to ban the book saying that it's offensive. Uh, it was written in the uh, late 1800s by somebody who lived at the time. This is our history. Why yeah. do we continue erasing our history? Well, this gets us into it, doesn't it? This, let's, let's get into this. Let's get into it some of the subjects we've talked about. The the more truthful I become in my life, the more I find myself at odds with mainstream media. Not mainstream life, but mainstream media and the people who believe mainstream media. And I feel that we have a duty to tell the truth because of these things. I believe we have a clear responsibility to speak the truth, sometimes with great grace and diplomacy and tact. There's definitely many occasions for that. And sometimes with great force and great aggression and great vehemence, sometimes with those things too. Um, and I've seen that in my life personally, before we start to speak about those wider things, that the degree of truth I embody in my life determines the amount of freedom I have. So there's a connection between truth and freedom. Freedom in the sense, not just of what I'm allowed to do, because nobody can tell me what to do. I, I can do whatever I want, as long as I obey natural law. Don't, don't perpetrate violence without proper cause, which would be rare, of course, that you'd ever need to do that. Don't take what isn't yours and behave prudently. Those are the only three natural laws. As long as I obey them, I mean freedom in the sense of intellect, emotions, my worldview, my sexuality, my fellowship, my artistry, my logic, my sense of divinity, my connection to God, everything. And that freedom really is the key to a, a happy and fulfilled life. It's, it's not optional. That freedom is absolutely essential. So you find yourself in this funny system that's so unnatural, and you have to ask yourself, you know, I would say this in quite spiritual terms, do you trust the system or do you trust God? Because the voice of the system is loud, and the voice of God is is quiet. So to me, the, the present times provide a very evident opportunity for individuals to demonstrate the courage of their convictions. How much faith do you have in your own perceptions of reality? How confident are you to speak about what you believe, what you know? So those things sort of lie at the foundations of this, but we can't 
answer some of those questions until we lay a foundation because the resolution. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.